What's going on, everyone? Welcome to Around the ACL. It's Michelle Thompson here with Trey Ryder and Anthony Ione coming off a really exciting weekend of the first Super Bowl prelim and our first shootout finals. So lots of good stuff to talk about, not to mention a very bougie party that I said, I said, I'm happy to be their entertainment. If this is what what we get to be here, I'm, I'm good for it. Um, so we want, we want to dive into all the details today and um, also get into some overreactions that we can talk about and close it out with holy hot takes. So I don't even know where to start. I guess, I guess we could start. it's just it's a lot going on. What was that thing called that went up into space? Oh, that was, that was the, there was, um, it was part of Jeff Bezos's ship. That was the top of his rocket yeah. that literally went into space. It was the actual like space rocket capsule. I don't even know what it's called either. It's like the top <laughs> of the rocket where people actually like sit in and and during the flight. Like, oh, that was there. I don't know why it was there, but it was there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I I don't even know how to describe the the the, the venue too. I mean, we were literally like. <laughs> inside a car garage that had like the over under was like what i think someone asked me how how much do we think the cars were worth in that building i was like i don't know 30 million 50 million total i mean there was ferraris lamborghinis i mean you name it there was there was nice cars in that in that venue Um, there's also someone standing in front of the cars to make sure you don't take pictures of the cars yeah you couldn't yeah you couldn't take pictures (laughs) of the cars not like couldn't touch them couldn't like no you couldn't take pictures of them so it was uh i still want to know what the storyline of us that that damn there's a vw bug in the back you got all these really nice cars and then there's this vw bug on the top shelf i'm like why is that important (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i I guess some context maybe is good for everybody listening in that, that like so the setting of the broadcast this weekend was um, at the Legends House party. So Legends is the um, is a company that has a partnership with the ACL that is handling a lot of their sponsorship negotiations and talks and relationships and things of that nature. So every year at the Super Bowl, they put on this party. And they usually have some form of entertainment there. And so now, since the ACL has this relationship with Legends, and they were looking for entertainment, it kind of just became that the broadcast was the entertainment for the party, which actually turned out pretty cool. So this entire, like the setting for the broadcast was inside this car garage that is for really high-end cars. (laughs) and my dogs are now going crazy. This is just a chaotic start to the episode. You have all these, you have all these really nice cars in the middle of Scottsdale. Yeah. And so this party, we were kind of living inside of it and then invited to this party are celebrities as well as, you know, potential sponsors and brands and just people with general relationships with legends as a whole. So my personal, like outside of cornhole, my personal highlight on the weekend was getting to see the stars of Breaking Bad. You had yeah. Aaron Paul and Brian Cranston just chilling right up against the broadcast court. It's <laughs> like, oh, what's going on? We got cornhole going on here. Like, 
my mind was kind of blown for a second there. Yeah. But, uh, it was just a. It, I was yeah, talking was, to you. You're like, is that Jesse? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. which Jesse we talking about? Like Jesse, like Full House Jesse, or no, way cooler. Yeah. <laughs> Breaking Bad. Yeah. So it was just, uh, yeah, just a, a unique, I guess it was a unique setting, right? Because normally we're used to like, you go into a convention center space, you set up a broadcast cord. It's, it's cornhole players in the, you know, and as fans, but like, I kind of like the vibe of this. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but it just, it just felt like there were, there were fans of the game watching people that were not cornhole players. Right. I mean, I'll never forget. I saw this one guy walk up to the court during like Jimmy McGuffin just practicing. And it kind of reminded me of like when you take a little kid or somebody to the shoot around portion of an NBA game and the guys are just like hitting like 12 threes in a row. And like everybody's mind is just getting <laughs> like boggled as they're sitting there watching shoot around. This guy had his phone out and Jimmy McGuffin hit 16 air mails in a row. And I thought this guy's head was going to explode. And he was just, on a different planet watching Jimmy McGuffin throw. Yeah, I totally wasn't expecting. I mean, you had kind of gave us a little feel of what we were going to be walking into, but it definitely wasn't uh, it wasn't where my mind was going. I was expecting a nice cocktail party, but it was it was like three levels above what I was expecting. And <clears throat> pulling up, you know, to the to the front of this thing, you know, you've got this row of just like Beamers, Audis, all these nice cars at the valet, and I pull up on my little my silver Nissan Versa rental car. And I'm like, take care of that, buddy. You know, the ballet <laughs> guy comes over. I'm like, take care of that. Yeah, and put then, that right um, in front. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, Kat's like, hey, I'm going to walk you guys in. It's going to be a lot easier. I'm like, oh, and you've got all these like outdoor like fire things going on. I felt like kind of red carpet-ish, you know, there's a bouncers at the front checking you in. I was like, what are we getting into? But yeah, and then when you walk through the front door, it was like, like whoa, you whoa, said, whoa, bougie. You skipped skip the guy live painting a wall. Yeah. And I'm like, where's that going to go now? He's like yeah. literally painting this massive mural that, I mean, I don't know where that goes or what happens to it. There was like a woman painted into that wall. Or did you see that? <clears throat> like no. she was body. There was a woman all like body painted and like, uh, I, I don't know. She know. looked like she was a part of it. I, I don't know what was going on, but. Yeah, and then you walk in and you've got, you know, a legit just bar, high-end drinks, some ladies spinning from the ceiling, like pouring champagne out of the out of the ceiling. I'm like, what is what is what is happening here? It was not any any kind of cornhole event we've been to before, but everyone's pimped out, you know. I mean, everyone was like really dressed to the T, you know, a lot of nice shoes. Well, I'm like, oh, this this is what's up. I could get used to this. I don't think we can go backwards from here, Trey. We're gonna need this kind of thing every time. <laughs> <laughs> it was the first time I'd ever seen Nick Thompson without a hat on. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's very rare. He's definitely a hat guy. You guys made me so nervous though, because so there's all this good food appetizers and things. And then Anthony and Jeff are like, Oh yeah, no, I'm not going to eat all that. I don't know. I want to like, you know, take the chances of it's kind of like rich food, blah, blah. And I'm like, I ate all of it. You guys like, <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> Like, what's going on? Why aren't we eating? I'm so confused. It was like so. this this fancy prawn comes over, and then it's like this sushi grade, like un I don't even know what fish it is. And I'm like, man, that just seems really risky. An hour and a half, you know, that just might not sit yeah, right. I ate, you know? I ate all of it. I mixed it all up. Yeah. <laughs> the oh lobster God. mac and I, I, cheese. I, I, 
I like the potato cake with the caviar on top. That was uh, that was my that was one of my favorites. <laughs> oh, I didn't get that one. Oh man, wow. see, I thought I Crazy. had all of it. But yeah, yeah, I was like, what am I missing? Am I supposed to not eat the food? I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Why is nobody else eating it? <laughs> and then you know, I think the other cool part was you know, uh, and this is you know, before we get into kind of actual the, the play and everything, that one cool thing that it was, was Bloomberg, you know, Bloomberg sports, Bloomberg business, Bloomberg business specifically was on site um, the weekend. And they're going to be coming out in April with a 22 minute piece on cornhole. That's going to air across social and TV. And it's going to be really, really cool. We, everybody sat down for interviews. Stacy had an hour and a half interview. I sat down for an hour and a half interview they even mic'd me up, like walking around the broadcast court oh, as, was that right? as the as the event was going on. So I hope I didn't. Hope I didn't. I, I'm trying to remember the other like afterwards. Like, did I say anything really dumb? Like, or did yeah. I drop any inappropriate language or expletives? So I hope it wasn't too bad. But yeah, like you know, I, I sat down for a long interview, and and they got a bunch of players and Cheyenne and Damon Dennis and Ryan Smith all all participated. So. Aside from the cornhole action part of it, I thought that was gonna that was something that was really cool that that um, will come out as part of this event as well. That is really cool and unique, and I think that it's gonna help spread the word. It was also funny just walking around. I went upstairs because you could go up the stairs and kind of look down on the broadcast court and the party. It was a really cool perspective. But I ran into these two drunk guys, and uh, they're like, "What?" is this and i'm like yeah this is like a cornhole broadcast like on espn he's like you're gonna be on espn and i was like you can too if you just sit on the side <laughs> of the court <laughs> they were like their minds were blown and they like came down and they're like on the court like waving like hey i'm here and it was just the vibe of the party like they were so like what dope. is going on and which is so really normal dope. for us right it's just like it's just an, an average broadcast friday like <laughs> no big deal so Really cool party, uh, but of course we were the entertainment. We'll talk about the shootout first. This was the finals. Uh, we we went all the way down to the finals back in Myrtle Beach, um, but finally we got to see the end of it, and we got to see Kyle Malone take a win. And I told Kyle after, I said, your interview was so – did you guys listen to his interview? Well, I know, Anthony, you heard it. Could you hear it, Trey? Yes, yes, yes. It was really good. I said, you did such – such a good job. He had emotion. He thanked his sponsors. Like he was like a professional post interview athlete. Um, so big congrats to Kyle Malone. Yep. What were your thoughts on that first match there, Trey? Yeah. So Kyle um, getting the win against Jamie Graham. I think one of the big storylines coming into the game was that Jamie Graham was going for the 19th number 19. That was going to be the, the title that would put him standalone, no longer tied first all time. So he was coming in as someone that had a chance to make some really strong history. But, you know, Kyle also had some history on his end. You know, he had three total ACL titles, but all three of them were doubles national events, right? He had never gotten that singles title. And Michelle, you you kind of alluded to it that he mentioned it in his interview. He got a little emotional about it, but it kind of was because he was emotional simply because he had never reached that peak before in his career when it comes to being an indiv individual player. So um, it was cool. It was really cool to watch Kyle Malone. The game I thought was incredible. I actually went back and, and rewatched it, you know, start to finish in the back and forth was just an amazing cornhole match. And for those, you know, that didn't get to watch it. I encourage you to watch it on the ESPN app. And then after 30 days, it'll be available on the ACL digital network. But 
<clears throat> it was an amazing masterclass of two players playing at an incredibly high level and just dueling back and forth. I mean, no, nothing. Uh, Jamie Graham should be ashamed of nothing. He was, you know, played at a really high level and it just came down to, I think literally maybe one bag. And that one bag was the layup. What was that in around eight or nine where the bags end up all being bunched up and yeah. Jamie Graham, you know, he conceded he, the bag. He conceded yeah. the bag. And, and if he had just laid up, it would have been a wash assuming the bags didn't fall. He chooses to kind of play a little conservative and just say, I'm just going to give up the point. And ultimately does that lead to, you know, him, him lose, he ends up losing by, I think, you know, five or something like that, but that's because the last round just got out of hand with big push yeah. shots and everything like yeah. that. But ultimately what I'm getting at is it was neck and neck all the way. And it came down to just maybe one decision. There was an airmail earlier in the game that, you know, Kyle Malone, if he doesn't go for it, does that not end up panning out? Um, it, it just overall, I loved the back and forth. And I think this is just going to continue to help build confidence in, with Kyle Malone. But I also thought it was really just reassurance because, like I said, it's one thing to really dominate at the conference and the regional level. But for him to come out on the biggest stage and beat elite two different times, because if you think about it, he had to be elite in Myrtle Beach to get to the finals. And then when I, I listened to that live stream, Jeff and you, Anthony, were both saying, look, if we ended right now, and Wally was saying the same thing, if we ended right now we, and we played the finals today, yeah. this being in Myrtle Beach, you guys were saying Kyle probably wins it because he was so hot today. And so a lot of people were saying, well, you give Jamie Graham the benefit of time. He's going to be able to come out and kind of, just kind of outclass in a way Kyle with, with the ability of being overly consistent, but that's not what happened. So for Kyle to be able to be elite, I think that he's just shown that maybe he's ready to really make that jump this year and become an elite level singles player. Yeah. Anthony, what, what were your thoughts and being able to call that match as well? Yeah. I mean, it, it was unique in that. I mean, we almost have to go to before the match. You know, we we were living this Airbnb life. You know, um, typically you're gonna take a tournament right into the right into the broadcast. This wasn't the case. You know, we we had eight players that flew in to Arizona for this match, so there wasn't you know the immediate lead in right into a broadcast. So it was kind of cool. Uh, you know, we were spread out a couple uh, across a couple houses. I was at a different house than the players, but Mish, we were able to kind of come over and we. Had like, I don't know, we kind of hung out for two hours with some of the players at the house before the match. So mm -hmm. we were talking about strategy and, you know, what do you think going in? Bags was really important. We learned the players had practiced earlier that day. Boards weren't playing as fast as we thought they were going to be. They all were saying, wow, I was actually surprised at the speed of the boards. Everybody seemed to be liking the speeds. Um, it kind of caused some decision making on bags. Um, you yeah, know, didn't, the didn't Jamie Graham say, Anthony, that he he wished he would have brought maybe even a faster bag. Yeah. He had only brought the vengeance and he was like, Hey, you know, I wish I had brought, you know, my other faster bags, at least just to see how they were playing. So he was pretty committed to that. And then we had some color, color things going on. You know, Malone came out with black bags. The boards were black, so you can't have black on black. So then he had to go to a backup set. He really wanted to throw the baby blues, but then Jamie Graham had baby blues. And then there was that. And then he had to bar, like he borrowed a, a set of pink bags, right? From someone at a local. Anyway, yeah, so it's a good kid, thing he yeah. actually had those. Yeah. 
So um, the bag thing was kind of fun. I mean, even down to the to the end, Trey, you were saying that, uh, you know, Rosie was uh, maybe having a little gamesmanship with, with Cheyenne on declaring what bag color she was going to do. But that was really cool just to have a couple hours to talk to the guys. And really, Ryan Smith, the way he described how he wanted to approach the game played out perfectly. You know, he just said, hey, I'm going to come out and play our normal dirty game. But as soon as we have a lead, we're running bags. I want to run that lead all the way to the end because I I feel confident in my whole game. I feel like I can throw 27 bags in a row right now. So, and that's kind of how that one played out. They kind of got out to that big 6-0 lead right out of the gate, and he implemented that plan right away, and they just started running bags. I don't think he missed a bag until the that that new commercial kind of break at that midpoint. And then he came out of the he came out of the commercial, and I think he missed his first or second bag. But yeah, I mean, if we were talking about Kyle and uh and Jamie. The key to that one for me was the board speed. I did not expect Kyle Malone to come out and lay that beautiful little level one. He did that round after round after round. I mean, he, he's, I talked to him after because on the broadcast, I was like, Kyle is not a guy who's going to come out and block. He's going he's gonna to out PPR you. He's going to run bags. So I asked him after and he was like, man, I just the speed just felt so perfect for me to just throw a level one on my normal bag and it played out perfectly. Um, he got a five, I think it was a five spot in round one. Jamie just missed a little bag out to the right. And you said it, Trey, for me, it was two bags. That was the difference in the whole match. Yes. That first round, he missed that kind of step out, collect around the left, gave up a five, but then he came back the very next round, got a five himself. So I'm just going to kind of wash that one out. He had a push somewhere mid to late game, like maybe sixth or seventh round that came up way short and that was the that was a big bag for him and set the tone for the next for the next one where he had that short airmail. So those two misses, the short push, the short airmail was really the difference in the game for me. You're talking 40 bags it just it happened so fast, you know, and and that that really was, but I think Kyle Malone's speed control and that level 1 unexpectedly uh, kind of blew me away and I think that was the difference in the game. And he was hitting his airmail. Gosh, he was five. I mean, he must hit his first 3 in a row. So that was the key to me was that level one and the airmail, uh, hitting the airmail success on the backside. Agreed. All right. Then we had women's, we had Cheyenne Bubenheim and Rosie streaker. Uh, Cheyenne did take the win there. She was throwing the carpet bags, but, um, I don't even know if she was necessarily going to throw those. She had to, because they, her other bags were the same color as Rosie's. So she didn't have a choice, but it did work out in her favor. So, uh, what are your thoughts on that match, Trey? Yeah, I think my biggest concern coming into it was that Cheyenne would throw carpet and she wouldn't be able to be as consistent. And at least for now, that wasn't the case. I was I was wrong. I mean, she she came out in the middle of the game, hit 16 bags in a row, right? Four rounds in the center of the game. And that ended up being the difference. Early, there was a little bit of back and forth. It was close. And then she went on a stretch where she just wouldn't 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 let Rosie stay in the game. And then once she built that lead, a little bit of back and forth at the end, fine. But Cheyenne ends up winning it. So uh, I don't know. I, I think uh, I'm maybe I'm maybe I'm being stubborn here. I still don't think it's the right choice long term to be going with carpet, right? And part of it is because the strategy that I saw with Cheyenne was one that she normally implements. It's one of she's going to run bags for most Bingo. of it and if Bingo. something come and if something comes up short great it comes up short i have a really strong push that i can deal with 
it, it would almost be different for me. I recognize the fact that Cheyenne Bubenheim has arguably one of the best push shots out there. She just does. Follow through on a blocker, pushing in her own bag. She's one of the best in the world, right? So I could understand if she was transitioning to a carpet, even if she didn't want to roll, right? If she, Even if she wasn't trying to get that level of action, if her plan was every single round, I'm going to set up a blocker so that I can follow through on it every single time, and that's going to frustrate my opponents. But in reality, that's not what I really saw. I don't know about you, Anthony, but I didn't see a strong difference in between the carpet-style strategy that she adopted versus her all-slide 2.0 strategy. It looked very similar to me. So if I'm doing that almost exact same strategy, what am I benefiting by throwing carpet? In my mind, not much because you're going to lose a little whole friendliness when it comes to throwing that carpet back. Now, this whole point is moot because she was able to throw 16 bags in a row, carpet or no carpet, it didn't matter. She was that locked in. So in that in that regard, I am very happy for Cheyenne Bubenheim because she maintained that level of confidence, which I know, Michelle, you were a little bit worried about coming in for Cheyenne. She was able to throw a lot of bags in the row. But I think based on what I saw, to me, there's not a whole lot of need for her to go away from uh, an all-slide 2.0 or go to a carpet because she's throwing a similar style of play. So in the end, she's still great. She won uncomfortably. I, I We asked her afterwards, Anthony, how she was feeling. She said, I, was, I told her, I didn't like it, Cheyenne. She goes, and her exact words for me were, I didn't like it either, right? <laughs> Which means she knows she's still uncomfortable with that bag in her hand. But I think let's take it even big picture. An athlete at the highest level on the biggest stage played a game uncomfortably and still won. And if anything, that just means that Cheyenne is one of those all-time greats in the sport. She's able to win even if it isn't pretty, even if she's not comfortable. She's able to still put on a really strong performance. Absolutely. And I was worried. She did say that her confidence wasn't as high as it normally is. And I wasn't sure how that was going to play out. But I think a big part of that was Rosie was getting some misses. And I feel like I know for me at a very, very small level, if my opponent is missing, my confidence goes through the roof. I'm like, all right, we got this. So I wonder how much that played into getting her confidence up in the, in, in the middle of that match. But what would you think, Anthony? Man, I think you guys nailed it, Trey. Your analysis is exactly where I was coming from. She didn't have to implement anything different. She was doing what she normally does. Uh, she was throwing the bar bag just harder to accomplish the same thing, but she was running bags. So why would why would Cheyenne want to go to a carpet bag? One, obviously, it's going to be easier to block. It's going to be easier to play that defensive game. Okay, but we all know that. But maybe she's looking to get a little bit more action out of her bag. Maybe she's realizing, hey, when I step out, I don't have the right to lefts like everybody else has to add that shot. Rolling bags, I just don't, you know, okay, maybe maybe sometime in the future. I don't think that that's why she's coming out with a carpet bag right now to roll. I think she's going to be throwing a carpet bag to improve her blockability, make it a little bit more difficult to push through because we know when you put a carpet bag in front of the hole, it's a lot harder to push through that thing than a than a GC or, or a 2.0 or whatever, the, whatever else she's throwing. And then adding those shaping of shots, the ability to kind of cut around stuff. Um, 
but she didn't need it. Like you were saying, Nish, the misses were there. There were unforced errors from streakers. She never had to implement any of that game. So I think she was just like, all right, I'm going to keep running bags. I'm scoring off of just running bags. I don't need to do anything crazy here. Ultimately, at, at the end of the day, Streaker just just couldn't couldn't match what she's been doing the last month or so. Running bags, she just didn't have that, and and Cheyenne, it just kind of made an easier win for for Cheyenne in that one. Absolutely. All right, and then we had our doubles match: Ryan squared, Ryan Smith, and Ryan Weedenfield. Mm-hmm. A win against Damon Dennis and Jimmy McGuffin. Um, obviously, a really emotional win for the Weedenfield family. It was really uh, sweet to watch his family take in that win. Uh, but what were your thoughts, Trey? Yeah, emotional, you know, kind of like a bittersweet, happy, sad type of moment. I mean, it was just uh, the first thing I did when that game got over, I immediately looked over at the Wiedenfelds in the first row and all of them just emotional. I mean, yeah. it was, I mean, it, it was uh, not like anything I'd kind of been a part of directly um, kind of in that moment. It was, it was really special. I mean, you know, we, we lost, you know, we, we lost a, a player a few years ago in Rocky and that had its own level of, you know, I, we were close to Rocky, right? So we got to experience what, what loss was like in that regard. Um, but it was, you know, we, we were preparing for it. Like we knew something was, was not right. And after, after a while, it was like, we had a way to kind of embrace it and also build it up and celebrate. And this, this felt like so sudden and, and and we weren't directly a part of the Wiedenfeld family. So it was like this instance where we were watching a family go through the ups and downs of, of something emotional like that, that we weren't directly a part of. So it was just, it was just, um, you know, it was tough, but at the same time it, it was, it was inspiring to kind of watch how the family handled it and how Ryan played. And I think, you know, you tied into the strategy of the game for it for for Ryan Smith to come in with all this prep work and all these things that he wants to do and then for the game to start off with Ryan Wiedenfeld putting up 6 points it was like i don't know to me i thought more about that it just felt it, it kind of gave me goosebumps a little bit right for yeah. him on that stage to come in and 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 score a 6 right out of the gate and say no, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and take control of this game, right? Like leave no doubt. And just to, to be able to be the one like Ryan Smith is supposed to be the guy that kind of carries that team in that moment because it's emotional and it's hard and it's difficult. But for, for Wiedenfeld to be able to do it himself, I think yet again, just speaks to how strong of a 16 year old kid that, you know, that, that Ryan Wiedenfeld is. So I, I just, that, that, that's what sticks with me more about it. I mean, we could go into strategy of, of a game, but I think the story of the game for me was a family and that type of situation coming out and Ryan Wienfeld scoring six points to start the game to essentially, in my mind, determine the entire result. I was just hoping he didn't look over to the left before they interview at the end because I <laughs> I can't imagine being able to then like oh, answer yeah. questions. You know, I was like, just look forward, Ryan. Just look forward. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get these questions done. Um, But it was, what do you think, Anthony? Yeah, Weedonfield was just talking about his first bag, right? He was like, I just want to, I just want to get that first bag in the hole. And and that's exactly what he did. And he just, he just kept running. I mean, six out of the six points right out of the gate, first round, McGuffin gave him six. 
they were in cruise control from there. And I was talking about Ryan Smith. He said, as soon as we get a lead, we're going to run bags because we can. Yeah, we're throwing these carpet bags, but we can run bags with the best of them. Never looked back. I mean, they were, it was kind of similar to the Rosie Streaker game where they didn't really have to do anything crazy. They didn't have to implement plan dirty game or throw some amazing roll bags. They just were able to run bags all the way to the end. I got to say, uh, Ryan Smith, I've been a fan of him as a player. Ryan Smith is a legit human being. This guy is, and I really got a glimpse at that this weekend, just at what kind of a person he is, you know, how he was there for Weedenfield, the family. I mean, he's out there hanging out with the family, doing escape rooms, you know, and and, and just yeah. being a good role model for Weedenfield and talking highly of how how his game is and, and, and highly of him coming into this. And, man, I'm a big fan of Ryan Smith on and off the boards, and I think that he was a perfect partner for Weedenfield to get through this one. And I think it showed on the board and I don't think anyone was going to beat him there. I mean, I would love to go back and count. I think Ryan Smith hit every single bag going up to the broadcast. And then Weedenfield had just middle, this middle stretch where he just couldn't miss. So they were, they were going to be tough for any, any opponent and opponent in that one, but they were going to win that one. No matter what, I feel like it was just like uh, meant to happen. So I'm pretty happy about how it turned out. Yeah, just one thing that I thought was a good analogy to that. And I, and I mentioned this actually had a chance to talk with, the uh, Ryan Wiedenfeld's mom after the game and uh, just talked to her a little bit. And I said the partnership between Ryan Wiedenfeld, take, take kind of the emotion aside for a second, but just strictly like a, a partnership type of ordeal is um, I think Smith and Wiedenfeld are really going to mimic what we've seen over the past few years from Eddie Grindersleeve and Caleb Batson. You have this really talented young kid who's got everything as far as an arsenal of shots go, but he's a kid, right? I mean, a kid playing among all these different professional players. But then you have this just steady, consistent, level-headed mentor in Eddie Grindersleeve that's kind of able to make a really successful partnership. Someone who's really positive, someone that's able to get the best out of a partner and of someone that's not only developing as a cornhole player, but developing as an adult, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a really key relationship. And then when you make that analogy to Ryan Smith and Ryan Wienfeld, like, look, we can, we're going to say all the nice things in the world about Ryan Smith. I think there's a case to be made that Ryan Wienfeld may be better than Ryan Smith, right? And we can go back and forth all day debating that whether or not, but the point of the matter is, Ryan Smith is not just playing a cornhole type of partnership here. I think he's playing a mentor type of role in having that similar setup to what Eddie and Caleb had. And I think in the long run, that's going to do Ryan Wiedenfeld a whole lot of, of good. And yes. I think eventually we may look back at the development of Ryan Wiedenfeld and say, wow, that was a really uh, you know, amazing partner to have in his rookie season as a pro. Yep. 100%. I couldn't agree more. And I asked Ryan Smith, I think that's one of the questions I asked him on the broadcast was like, how have you been mentoring Weedenfield? And he's like, you know, he's so humble. I haven't, I haven't. He's just good in his own. But I don't think Ryan Smith realizes the energetic mentorship, even if he's not specifically saying like, here's what we need to do. Like just his energy, I think is, is very powerful for a young 16 year old player. So I love that team. Yeah. All right, let's, let's move into the super hole. A little less serious, but a lot of fun. Uh, we, we had yeah. our first super hole. Um, the winners of the super hole were uh, Justin Turner and Damon Dennis. And my favorite part of this was 
we were waiting to do the post interview during the commercial break. And I looked over at Justin Turner and he had this big smile. Like he's kind of like, wow, that was really fun. And I go, Justin, you got the bug, don't you? And he's like, I think I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was a good dude. He was a good dude. So, so really, really fun. Uh, what were your thoughts on that one, Trey? Yeah. Yeah. I thought uh, Justin Turner was, was uh, a, a great competitor, a great personality for Super Hole. Um, I personally liked it. I'm a Red Sox fan. So for the Red Sox to get a title already this season is, is a win in my book. So, um, <laughs> but, but in all seriousness, not, I think it was funny. Cause so, uh, you know, as the night went on, right. Uh, I think it's cool maybe to get your perspectives and then get my perspective because I had a different perspective for this broadcast, right? Normally I'm prepping, I'm, I'm going through walkthroughs. I'm doing all these different things to get ready for it. I catch maybe a glimpse here and there of how the players are playing, but I'm getting ready to go on air. Me, that wasn't the case this time, right? Because yeah. you guys were on air doing a great job. Me, I was, I had a chance to kind of see all the celebrities warm up. The funniest thing, and I remember going up to you guys beforehand, and you guys were taking what I was saying for granted. And I looked like I looked dumb, but I went up and said, "There is no way Ryan Fitzpatrick is losing the Super Bowl. <laughs> no way he is losing." Because the guy, I'm telling you guys, in practice and in warmups, Ryan Fitzpatrick is sitting back there slinging tens. Wow! Um, I gotta tell you though, because you told me that, and because Tyler Lockett had a tumble bag, and that was the first match. When I was preparing my questions, I didn't even consider Lockett winning. I was like, "Oh, Trey <laughs> told me, yeah, all right, just get my questions ready for Fitzpatrick." <laughs> like, there's no way What's they're gonna. I saw, you know, I saw Tyler Lockett's bag. It's not great. You know, this is done deal. So then, then when it didn't happen. And I was and they were messing with my earpiece and the game ended. I was like, uh-oh, I was not ready for, for them to win. <laughs> yeah, I, I just thought, you know, just watching the celebrities warm up, you know, it just it just looks like Fitzpatrick was going to be dialed in. I mean, but you have to play the game, right? You don't just get to warm up and we crown a champion, right? I mean, look what happened to Terry Kirby last year at the World Championships. Everybody thought him and Rosie Streaker, there's nobody that's going to run through them, right? Nobody. Right. Nobody's going to give them a shot but that's why you play the game, right? So they play it and, and Lockett, Lockett did everything that he needed to, everything. He stayed down the center. Yep. He laid in the center of the board. He didn't, he didn't miss a ton of bags off the left and right. I mean, it was just, he congested the hole. The thing that I think hurt Ryan Fitzpatrick is I think he, he either needed to flip the bag over or, or throw it just a little bit harder because he played right into Lockett's success, and that's if I can b block up the center of the, uh, the center of the board, it's going to be hard to slide anything in, and it'll be a point here, a point there, and it is what it is. And Cheyenne Renner did the, you know, Cheyenne Bubenhide did the rest of the work on her other end. So, like, I think maybe if if Fitzpatrick flips the bag over and throws a little bit more slick side, that may help. But yep. regardless, Lockett was just down down the middle, down the center, and uh, you know it, it was it was it was just really cool to watch that. You know, I think the other cool dynamic was maybe Jock Peterson and Justin Turner. You could tell that they were friends. You could tell that they knew each other. They were having a good time. But you know, Jock seemed like he was having a good time. Justin Turner was like, I'm having a little bit of a good time, but I'm I'm gonna win this. Like I'm it, trying to win. It was, yeah, there was a little bit different level of focus from uh from Justin Turner that I thought was 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 really cool. So um, but in the end, yeah, I thought it was uh you know, it's just cool to see, you know, two 
you know, or, or really all four competitive guys really good at their, their, their sports and just, just be able to compete at cornhole. Um, but yeah, I thought, uh, Turner was, Turner's pretty good. I think he's going to have a shot. You know, he'll have a shot at that championship event. Assuming he can go, he'll be kind of in season there. So depending on how the team is doing, right. If it lines up on a day where they have a break or something like that, maybe they'll make be able to make something happen. But, but in the end, yeah, I think it's uh, going to be interesting. I think he wants to make something happen. It's just a matter of can it, but like, I think he really wants to go and do it. What do you yes. think? Anthony? Yeah. The biggest thing for me mm-hmm. was uh, the commentary part of it, right? T- take your analysis hat, take your <laughs> telestrator finger, just throw that out the window. You don't need any of that for the super hole, right? It's literally just having a good time. Uh, you're not, there's not going to be any, you can't call any shot predictions because those guys are just trying to get it on the board. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So Really, you just had to have some fun with it. But like you said, Lockett, it was this ugly tumble bag, but that guy could hit the center of the board. And somehow it always landed stick side, and it would just die right in the middle of the board. <laughs> and these guys, Fitzpatrick, throwing 10s in warm-ups, and even Turner having trouble in that last game. They You put a bag in the middle of the board, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, crap. Now yeah. what do I do? Yeah, I think calling the, the using the slick side of that bag a little bit more would have been a big deal or a big improvement uh, for Turner, but he hit a couple airmail going over the top of those blocks. I was like, okay, this, I agree with you, Trey. I think that, I think Turner, you know, with the double D alongside him, they could go all the way to the end. I mean, I saw that guy throw four bags in warm up, and I'm like, oh, he has a pretty nice bag. He ha- he was yeah, the only what? one with a consistent, you know, it's not necessarily flat, but you get it, you get a predictable you get a predictable movement on the board because it, it it is rolling in a flat plane. It's not flat to the earth, but it's rolling in a or uh, uh, rotating in a flat plane. And I think that played perfectly into his game. And he actually had, I think, the best energy to lock. It was pretty fun. But Turner just seemed to be enjoying it more than every, everyone else. So uh, I, I, I'm happy with that one. Turn out how, how that one turned out as well. Yeah, but I think we did learn a lesson from Lockett, right? And that is if you block. If you block in the center or can lay a bag on the board, you are going to cause chaos. You're yes. going to completely flip the game upside down because, like you said, he struggled in the finals. I think I think Lockett may have outscored Turner in the finals by all those blocks, but the issue is over two rounds, Damon Dennis scored 15 points on Cheyenne Bubenheim. When does yeah. that ever happen? He scored no. a 10 <laughs> and a 5 in back-to-back rounds. I mean, that just doesn't – you don't get that to happen. I mean, the, the – I believe that the final score was less than a 15 point differential. So what, what I'm kind of getting at here is, yeah. I mean, I, I honestly think that, you know, if Cheyenne Bubenheim has a similar game she had in the semifinals or how she played the pro shootout finals, you know, we may be talking about Tyler Lockett winning this whole thing, even with one of those tumble bags. Right. No doubt. I think, I think the key is if you're a celebrity or if you're a pro playing with one of these celebrities, the key is if you can just find a way to get them to sit in the center of the board and then you do the work, you're going to find a way to be successful. Yeah, I don't know if throwing up of in of telling them to throw a block is the easiest thing in the world, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but but did Cheyenne help that by throwing a carpet bag? Yeah, right? for sure. Do yeah. we? You know, I know some pros may go, let's throw something a little bit faster so it may go in the hole more. I may say, what if you came out there and let's find the stickiest bag right? we can? Or yeah, <laughs> I'm saying, and, 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 and you know, the pro throws slick side the entire time. And yeah. have the, you know have the have the celebrity hope that they get like a, a sticky bag that lands in the center of the board. I mean, th- there's going to be some more strategy coming coming about in these in these Super Hole prelims. That's valid. It's valid. 
All right, let's go into overreaction Monday. I'm going to read something. You let me know if this is an overreaction or not. The first one being that Ryan Smith is the best round limited player of all time. Yeah, um, I do not think it's an overreaction. I really thought about this over and over again. And, you know, what does it qualify to be, you know, a round limited player? And, and, and it really has to be with consistency of, of winning. And I think the only other person that can come close is Jamie Graham, right? He made the finals of doubles uh, in a pro shootout. He has made, he's kind of four for four when it comes to round limited play. He's in, in pro shootouts. He's got, you know, two singles and two doubles, but he's never won a championship event. Right. If I'd given a championship event to, to Jamie Graham, maybe I'd put him over the edge of Ryan Smith. But Ryan Smith won a pro invitational alongside Cheyenne Bubenheim, Cheyenne Renner at that point, right? So that was a round-limited format. So he, he's, he's, he's won at certain times. He's now won a bunch. I think it's a toss-up between him and Jamie Graham, but I, I'm going to lean Ryan Smith here for now. Okay. Anthony? Yeah, I was trying to pull up some, uh, some actual data here. I don't think I'm going to get to it real quick, but I want to say, Ryan, this is his fourth. I want to say he has two doubles and two singles shootout wins. So there's four. Uh, don't quote me on that, but it's right around there. But like you said, Jamie Graham is real close. Brett Guy, I think, is close just because of the prelims and the championships. But yeah, I agree. I think there's an argument there. And the fact that he's doing it with different partners, he's doing it in doubles and singles. It's not just like a one-sided thing. Um, I would have to agree. I don't think that's an overreaction right now, Misha. All right. How about Kyle Malone as a top five player? Yeah, right now, not an overreaction. I mean, I, I got to give it to him. I don't know what else you want to do. You, you you make it all the way to the pro shootout final. You beat a top five player, guaranteed top five player, and that top five player did not throw poorly. This wasn't a Jamie Graham collapse that led to a Kyle Malone win. This was a Jamie Graham throwing at a high level and Kyle Malone taking it from him. I, I am running out of excuses to put to to leave Kyle Malone out of this top five, top ten, whatever we want to make it. Kyle Malone's the real deal right now, not an overreaction. Anthony, the top five. I'm still having a little hard time with top ten. I am on board with that. I mean, let's go to conferences. You've got this deep Florida State. You've got the Tanner Halberts in there. You've got the Hamiltons in there. Both of those guys are on my top ten. Malone is out there winning conferences with these guys in it. So. I am all about signing up for Kyle Malone as a top 10 player right now. Top five is tough. Uh, you can't deny what he's been doing lately, but I, I do it again. Just do it maybe one more time for me in a national. Um, maybe sneak out something in doubles where you're carrying humans and you show that you are a beast. And then I could jump on that. But top 10 right now is, isn't crazy for Kyle Malone. I'm going to say overreaction for top five. Anthony's tough. <laughs> All right, Cheyenne, <laughs> Cheyenne Bubenheim is still the best female in the world, even throwing carpet. Man, um, the thing is, I almost want to say overreaction, but I have to put somebody in her place, right? Yeah. I have to say, no, Cameron Belvin is better. No, Connie Altice is better. No, Sam Finley is better. And that is that is going to be tough. Um, I feel, still think I'm going to do it anyway. I still don't like Cheyenne Bubenheim throwing carpet, right? 
I think oh. she had a really strong performance. I am going to say overreaction. And if I have to pick somebody, it's like if I take Cheyenne Bubenheim at her best throwing carpet and for maybe Cameron Belvin at her best throwing non-carpet, I'm probably going to take Belvin, maybe even take Yeti, maybe Sarah Cassidy. So I'll say overreaction. Okay. Anthony? I don't know. I, if you asked me this before the weekend, I would have said, okay, in order for me not to overreact, I need to say, see Cheyenne Renner play the hottest female bagger in the world right now, Rosie Streaker, and win with a carpet bag. That's what I need to see. And that's what yeah. she gave us. <laughs> so, yeah, but she, she, you know, like we said, Rosie didn't throw her where she was throwing. So I don't, I don't know. That's difficult. Wins a win. A win's a win. Know. You know, I, I can't, I can't, I can't fault Cheyenne for that. She came out and won with carpet. So I'm not going to overreact on this one. I think she's the best female in the world, even with throwing carpet right now. Ryan Wiedenfeld has passed Fisher Hamilton as rookie of the year favorite. Um, <laughs> gosh, that is, I, I'm going to say a teeny, teeny bit of an overreaction. It was a round limited format. Fisher Hamilton has shown it opens in play to 21 traditional. It's like, I almost think they balance each other out, right? Cause in on one hand, it was a pro event. Fisher has not won a pro event. He's only won opens, but the round limited format maybe offsets that. So they feel kind of even. So with all that being said, I'm and, and then maybe you could go back and even say that um, Ryan Wienfeld advanced singles world champion this past year. So like he gets that. I'm still going to say a little bit of overreaction. I like Fisher just a little bit more, but I think this is going to be a fun race to, to watch throughout the entire season. Anthony? Fun race. That is exactly it. I love that. I think we're at a photo finish. I can't say that Wheatonfield is past Hamilton, but I will give him they are nose to nose right now. Um, so I'm gonna say overreaction. But like you said, Trey, the how this how this plays out this year, I'm gonna I'm gonna be like glued to to the the how it plays out. So I'm excited to see the result. And then Justin Turner and Damon Dennis can win the Super Bowl four championship. Um I, I don't think it's an overreaction. Um, I think they absolutely can win. The, the issue is, right, you're going to have someone that comes in. I think it's likely that because he wasn't able to play in the championship that you probably have Shamar Moore playing at some point this season, likely with Trey Birchfield, right? They'll probably re-qualify. They'll make it back in. And so I'm always having to compare. Like if you're going to talk about someone winning that championship event, you have to be someone to be able to go through that team. Now, certainly Damon Dennis, Trey Birchfield, I don't think there's a strong, you know, lean either way of who is better right now. Justin Turner against Shamar Moore, I'm probably going to take Shamar Moore, right? So I think they can, not an overreaction, but I'm not ready to pick them just yet. Okay, Anthony? Yeah, I said it on the broadcast. I think he can go and win it. I think I'm going to stand by this. The other thing about this guy is, I think he walks away from this weekend and kind practices. of grinds at this. I think he grinds at this. <laughs> he just yeah. struck me as that kind of guy. He goes out to the PGA stuff down the street the next day, wins like the, the longest drive out of the whole thing. He's got a big trophy on that. Wins, he won some other trophy. So he comes out of the weekend with like three championships. Mm -hmm. But I see that guy going back home and grinding to ensure a, a, a Super Bowl championship. And I think that'll be the factor. I think he gets uh, yeah, some yeah. some new boards now. I mean, so he got new bags. Uh, he got new psychos, and he was saying like, 
wow, these bags and boards are totally different than, yeah, than what yeah. I have. So I definitely think he, he ups the quality of his equipment, which definitely helps. But I think you're right. All right. You got a hot take, Trey? Um, I'm ready. I'm ready. Um, I'm going to go interesting with this one. Looking way far ahead. I did say Kyle Malone was a top five player. One thing that I found interesting was how strategic, how how crafty he was in that. Kyle Malone, I'm hoping, continues to play like this all season. I'm going to say Kyle Malone is in the finals of the Pro Shootout Championship for men's singles. I think he continued. I really liked how strategic in that round-limited format that he plays. May not translate to play to 21. It may as well, but I like what he's doing in the the men's singles, so he ends up in the finals. All right. Anthony? Yeah, I was going to go Kyle Malone as well. Uh, Kyle Malone's officially on my top 10 list, so my hot take is going to be along those. I say he's a top eight guy. The hard part is who the heck do I drop off of that list because you look at that 10 and it's tough. So Kyle Malone, I'm going to go top eight. I'm not at top five yet, but possible. Mine's also Malone, so we've got a theme here. Um, I say he wins either singles or doubles at the first national. I think he's on a streak. I think he's feeling confident. I think he sees his potential, and I think that plays out there. So we'll we all we're all have Kyle Malone on our minds. So we'll see it. how it goes. He's it. <laughs> all right, that's all we got time for today. We will see you guys all next time.